If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look there today. There are a lot of things in your life that you can buy that will help you get ahead in life. There are things that are for sale, and if you have the money to buy them, they usually return a dividend, many times a big one. Uh, For example, education. You can buy an education by going to college, and and no one denies the value of having a degree, especially in this day and age. It, It helps to have that education to get ahead. Or you can buy knowledge. In many fields, including ministry, sometimes hiring an outside consultant can help bring a fresh idea to an old set of problems. It can help bring a a new set of solutions that you've never thought of before. You can buy information. In fact, because of our internet, you have a world of information at your fingertips that you can use to help take shortcuts and do things quicker and faster than ever before. I mean, whether you want to learn how to cook on a barbecue or, or find the best camera out there or, or learn how to do it yourself in plumbing, if you're ever foolish enough to do that. But there's one thing that you can't buy, and it doesn't come for free. In fact, it's something you only get by living long enough, by doing something long enough, that in time, you can have such expertise that people will come to you for education and knowledge and information. And that's experience. See, this morning I want to talk about something that that I know many of you out there have multiple years of experience in, and that's marriage. Now, I in no way claim to be an expert in marriage. You can just ask Amy on that one. But I want to say that I, I have a great marriage, and I have a wonderful wife, but I also know that Marriage is hard work. In fact, it's such hard work that fewer and fewer people today are applying for the job of marriage. Fewer and fewer fewer people believe that marriage is worth the effort. But I still believe in the institution of marriage for at least two reasons. One, because God believes in it. And two, because I've experienced firsthand the benefits and the blessings that come from marriage. So let me just say this morning, uh, the, the sermon today is really for everyone in here. I mean, if you are married, this is for you. If you are not married but, but want to be, th- this is for you. If you are married but don't want to be, <laughs> this is definitely for you. But let me admit something to anyone who is single. Um, it's hard to find the right mate, isn't it? Sometimes. I read about a young lady who was talking to her boyfriend one time, and she said, why is it that your mother doesn't like me? And he said, well, it's nothing against you. Don't take it personally. She's just never liked anyone I've ever dated. He said, really? Never anyone you've ever dated? And he said, okay, there was one girl. And, and I dated her, and she looks just like my mom in every way imaginable. She looked like her and talked like her and walked like her. They, they even had the same handwriting. He said, but it was a disaster. She said, why was it so bad? He said, well, my father couldn't stand her. <laughs> it can sometimes be difficult to find the perfect mate. But I also tell you that if you do, when you do finally found that, find them, it's hard to live with them sometimes when you do. 
Because there's never been a honeymoon that's lasted forever. Has there? Someone shared with me about a woman who had just gotten engaged and she went to a friend of hers for some marriage advice and her friend told her, you know, the first 10 years of marriage are always the hardest. She said, really? How long have you been married? She said, 10 years. Marriage is hard, isn't it? And it's interesting that it doesn't take any work at all to have a bad marriage. But it takes a lot of hard work to have a good one. And marriage is hard because, really, marriage involves people, doesn't it? And more specifically, it involves people that go into the marriage with a completely different set of expectations. I mean, if I'm honest, when I look back on June 12th, 1999, the day Amy and I got married... And I'm looking at this, this marriage that we're about to enter into. I was more focused on what am I going to get out of this marriage than I was focused on what am I going to give to this marriage. And I think that's the way for many of us, isn't it? And the problem is that when we don't get what we think we should get, we don't give what we ought to give. And then one of three things happens. Either first we quarrel, and we fight, and we get into this tug of war over whose expectations are going to be met, or we quake. Now that is that, that one of us finally just gives in, right? Either the husband gives in to the wife, or the wife just gives in to the husband, trying to create some sort of peace, but really there's no peace. Or we quit, and we give up, and we walk out of the marriage. And see, that never works because... Husbands, I want to tell you something. Your wife will never meet your expectations. Wives, your husband will never meet your expectations. And the truth is, God never intended it that way. God never intended for the husband or the wife to meet the other expectations. The expectations you're to meet in a marriage are God's. Happiness in a marriage always follows when a husband meets God's expectations for him and a wife meets God's expectations for her. And so what are those expectations? I'm sure you're thinking and asking. Well, they're found in Jesus' mission for the church. And that means that each and every one of us here today who are believers in Jesus Christ need to understand that our mission is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as ourselves. So our mission in our marriage is to love the other one as we love ourselves. And that looks like when we are serving others, we're showing love to others. Service is a key to marital happiness. When the husband makes it his goal to serve his wife, when the wife makes it her goal to serve her husband, that's what a strong marriage looks like. And the good news is that God tells us exactly what he expects from the husband and from the wife and exactly what serving one another really looks like. Because when we meet God's expectations for our role in the marriage, he'll meet our needs. And we can trust God with the results. So how is the husband to serve the wife? How is the wife to serve the husband? How is serving each other the glue that helps keep the marriage together? Well, I think the answer is found here in Ephesians 5 and three verbs that Paul uses. And the first verb is submit. Spouses should submit humbly to each other. Ephesians 5.21 
Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, Paul is about to launch into what is probably the classic text on marriage and all of Scripture. And he begins by setting the ground rules. Right? Because in one sense, in a marriage, submission is mutual. But I know that some people hear that submission, the word submission, and they think, uh-uh, not me. That they act like they're kind of allergic to that concept. But really, the truth is, we all submit to someone or something, don't we? I mean, we, we ultimately decide when we're going to do it and where we're going to do it and who we are going to do it to. And there's even a posture that we uh, adopt almost naturally when we submit. I mean, for example, when you're contrite, when you're broken, we fall to our knees. And we physically express what we're feeling emotionally. When a subject comes before a king or queen, what does he do? He kneels to acknowledge he is in the presence of the master. When we come before God in prayer, oftentimes what do we do? We, we kneel when we pray. When a man asks a woman to be his wife, he gets on one knee. See, it's important to, to understand that. And let me say something that's important here because we can't have the marriage that we ought to have. We can't meet God's expectations for us if, if we don't have that personal relationship with him. I mean, everything we read here in Scripture is, is for those who are devoted followers of Christ, who are following him and, and his word. And we submit. And don't miss the motivation here because why do we submit? Well, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The greatest relationship, husbands, that we can have in our marriage is not with our wives. The greatest relationship we can have is with Jesus. The greatest relationship, wives, you can have in your marriage, it's not with your husband, it's with Jesus. And the kind of husband that we're going to be, the kind of wife that we're going to be, the way we're going to relate to our spouse, all comes down to this, understanding what Christ did for you. And understanding what Christ is to you. See, God wants the husband to model God's love to his wife. And he wants the wife to model God's love to the husband. And the way we do that is when we put the other person first. When we make sure that their needs are met. Because God wants our marriage to be an expression of his love. And it all goes back to showing our reverence to Christ. To putting him where he belongs which is first, which is in the throne of our hearts. And when we put Christ where he needs to be, then we begin to put our spouse where they need to be. And when we live in that reverence for Jesus, remembering what he did for us, remembering what he is to us, then there will come that mutual desire to submit, to serve one another. And Paul goes on, he said, wives, surrender willingly to the husband. Now, ladies, don't take that word surrender in some sort of military fashion where you're going to wave the white flag and just listen to what he says. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. See, what that word submit means is voluntarily surrender to another person's authority. It's not something that husbands should demand from the wife. It's not something we should command of the wife or force on it. 
It's not a social or philosophical or, or intellectual issue. It's a spiritual issue. That's why the most important part of this verse is the last four words, as to the Lord. I mean, Jesus, master of the universe, had no problem with submitting. And he surrendered his life, he surrendered his will to God's will, and he died on the cross for us. So wives, I want you to hear this carefully. Surrender has nothing to do with the pecking order in a marriage. It has nothing to do with who's going to be the boss. It has nothing to do with who's going to be a doormat. Surrender has everything to do with your love for Jesus and your love for your husband. And it's the willingness to meet God's expectations for you in the marriage. That's how you serve God and how you serve your husband. And understand this, this doesn't imply in any way that the wives are inferior and the, the husbands are superior. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want you to realize the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. See, see understand this, God the Son is not inferior to God the Father. We know that, right? They, they are co-eternal, they are co-equals. And yet, it says here that Jesus willingly submitted himself and his authority to the Father. So wives, look at your husband in this way. This is the picture of the wife under the husband under Christ. So the question becomes, who is over the husband? Well, it's Jesus, isn't it? And when you surrender to his leadership, you're surrendering to the Lord's leadership. So ask yourself, wives, am I willing to submit to the spiritual leadership of my husband? Because God has an expectation for wives. And that is for you to willingly submit to surrender your authority to the authority of your husband. And now husbands, if I see any one of you elbowing your wives going, huh, see, see what the preacher said? Don't worry, you're coming next. Because husbands, our word is sacrifice. Husbands should sacrifice completely for the wife. See, husbands, I have some great news for you. If you meet God's expectations for you as the husband, and if your wife is a follower of Jesus, then she's going to gladly surrender to your leadership. But the hardest part is your part. The hardest part is our part as husbands. Because God expects more out of us than he expects out of our wife. That's why even in the garden, when even though Eve ate the fruit first, the first person that God confronted was Adam. And this is what he says, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's read that again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, what did Jesus give up for the church? He gave up everything, didn't he? including his very life. And so he says, husbands, that's how much you are to love your wives. That's how far you are to go in serving your wife, even if it means giving your own life for her. So let me ask you, husbands, do you love your wives? Before you answer that, let, let me put it another way. Do you love your wife enough to sacrifice everything for her, including your physical body? 
And I realize that most of us sitting here today will probably never have to express our love for our wives in that way. So Paul gives us another example that kind of hits home. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. See, men, think about what you do with your body. I mean, all day long, we really do one thing. We, we satisfy it, don't we? I mean, when you're hungry, you feed your body. When, when you're thirsty, you, you give it drinks. When you're tired, you give it rest. You take it to the finest restaurants and out to the movies and down to the golf course. And you don't mind sacrificing anything to, to bring pleasure. And so Paul simply says, Start treating your wife the way you treat your own body. Start meeting God's expectations of sacrificing everything you are and everything you have to make sure that your wife's needs are met. See, God wants you to love and, and show your love as a way of expressing his love for us. So let me address one more thing here because I'm sure that most of you are thinking this right now, that if I'm meeting God's expectations in the marriage and I'm surrendering everything I have to my wife and she's surrendering everything I have to me, who's going to meet my needs and my desires and my wants? And the whole point of the scripture is that when you start treating your spouse the way that God treats you, we trust God with our needs. I came across something this last week that, that at first I, w I wasn't quite sure about, but the more I read it, the more it made sense. Because a lot of times in my marriage, when I met with people who were getting ready to get married, or I met with people who were, you know, their marriage was in trouble and they were considering divorce, oftentimes we'd say, well, you just need to get more committed to this marriage. But I read this, that the Bible never commands us to be committed to the marriage. We are to be committed to Jesus and then committed to our mates. So can I give you some homework for this week? It's about husbands, wives. Can I give you a little homework? It, it's not that tough. Don't worry. When you get home today, I want you to ask your spouse this one question. And then I want you to ask them every day throughout this week. How can I serve you today? What can I do to serve you today? Because, you know, I've never seen a marriage fail or fall apart where the husband and wife are, are tripping over each other and knocking each other out trying to serve one another. We look at Jesus for his example. And he served us with his death on the cross so that we can have life eternal, so that we can serve others with our life. So when we do what God expects us to do, he'll meet far beyond our expectations, and he meets all our needs. So as we close this morning, my question is simply, do you need to do what God expects you to do? Do you need to begin by surrendering your life to him? by putting him first. If that's what you desire, I invite you.